Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I am Michael Kingswood, retired naval officer, Christian, dad, and writer extraordinaire. I mostly focus on science fiction and fantasy, but I've been known to write just about everything under the sun, including the occasional romance. The purpose of this podcast is to share my stories with you, the reading slash listening public. So sit back and relax, because I'm going to tell you the story. Hey friends, I'm Michael Kingswood. It's story time. I'm going to keep this one pretty quick since uh, as this goes up, I'm actually going to be out camping with my boys. And uh, so I'm it's recording this on Friday, so rushing to get a whole lot of things done before we go. So let's go straight into the next two chapters of Outdweller here. Uh, not a whole lot of news to share anyway. Um, as usual, I wrote this. Uh, this is read by Kevin Sapp. Great audio uh, voice actor, and uh, hope you enjoy these next two chapters. Coming near to the end. Have fun. 30. Hard Pressed. Melanie swallowed hard, trying to press down the sudden terror that surged within her. It was one thing to cast spells at the Outdweller from afar, but now it was coming, and only she and Lauren stood before it. She wiped a sudden sweat from her brow and was not surprised that her hand trembled as she did so. She hated to admit it, but the presence of Julian and Radric and the steel of their blades, useless as it was against this foe, offered her some comfort. Now, without them. The darkness bulged inward like a blister, and right then a scream echoed from somewhere to Melanie's right. A man's scream, full of pain and fear. It only took a second for her to recognize Julian's voice. The fear swelled within her, but so also did anger. Her dear friend was being tortured by this beast, or its minions. It would pay. What should I do? She hated to ask Lauren for advice, but he was right. Timon had taught her next to nothing about dealing with the Outdwellers, just that they existed and the very basics of how a summoning worked. She could never achieve a summoning herself, and she was not foolish enough to try. If by some chance she had gained the attention of one able to use a call as meager as hers to bring itself over, well, she had this night seen what such a creature would be like. She shuddered to think of trying to control it by herself. Lauren grunted, his eyes now fixed on the bulging blister of blackness. Any second now, the outdweller would emerge, and he stood straight and tall to meet it. I can banish it. Here. He paused, then added, but I may need your help to hold it. He said no more, and he would not see the gesture, but Melanie nodded. Hold it in place. She could do that. She hoped. It comes. Lauren could have been commenting on the return of a dog sent to fetch a downed pheasant, as much inflection as he put into his voice. For Melanie's part, as the blister finally popped, it was all she could do not to retreat. Not that it made any great noise or sent any force her way, but it concealed a thing of darkness, of powerful evil, and it would... A figure fell to the earth as the blister of blackness burst and retreated back to the edge of their circle of light. Not particularly tall, though taller than Lauren, who wasn't, and thin, it was a man. He lay on his belly with his face in the dirt, but she knew immediately who he was. Tellurian. Melanie blinked in surprise. Is that supposed to... Lauren shook his head. No. He lowered his staff and frowned, then glanced back at her again. No, that was supposed to be the Outdweller. He strode slowly forward to Delorean's side and squatted down. 
Pressing his fingers to the side of the fallen mage's throat, Lauren paused for a few seconds, then nodded quickly. He lives. And great. Melanie turned a quick circle, looking all around. It was still only she and Lauren. Now what? A second male voice cried out in pain from somewhere out in the blackness. Radric. Only then did Melanie notice that Julian had ceased his cries. Gods, let him be all right. She was surprised to find how her heart ached over the notion that he may not be. Not that she was any more worried about him than Radric. Of course not. Now, Lauren said, returning to his full height and scowling out at the blackness that encircled them. He paused, then took a breath and continued. Now I shall begin a banishment ritual. Melanie blinked in confusion. Doesn't the outdweller need to be present for that? Lauren's scowl became a condescending sneer as he looked at her. It is present, woman. This will take longer and be more difficult than if it were close enough for physical contact, but if it is within the boundaries of the summoning area, it cannot resist being expelled from our world if the ritual is done correctly. With that, he lowered his staff and turned a full circle, tracing a line in the dirt at his feet as he dragged the staff over the ground in time with his turn. His eyes met Melanie's, and she saw scorn, what else could she expect from the likes of him, but also resolve. But beneath that, fear. Lauren was afraid. That made sense. Melanie was nearly beside herself with fear. She had never imagined a creature such as this outdweller. It went well beyond the most stern warnings Timon had given her against trying her hand at summoning, and those warnings had been energetic indeed. And she had taken them to heart. She certainly never thought to actually face a being such as this. But Lauren had been trained in summoning. As an inquisitor of the Magisterium, he was intimately familiar with every school of magic, every incantation and ritual. If he was scared... Melanie felt her bowels go to water, and it was all she could do not to flee right then and there. Of course, where would she run to? The darkness waited on all sides. There could be no escape for her, not without victory. So she gritted her teeth and inhaled deeply through her nose, then exhaled out of her mouth, keeping up a slow and steady rhythm despite her body screaming at her that she needed to pant, to get more air into her lungs more quickly now. After a minute or so of forcibly slow, controlled breathing, she felt the panic fade. Only healthy fear remained, the kind of fear that could be acknowledged and controlled, but would not rule her. Again, her eyes met Lawrence, and he gave her the slightest of nods. Then, he set to chanting. Thirty-one. Ritual Sacrifice. The words Lauren used were in a tongue Melanie had never heard before. They were guttural, brutal, and harsh, the kinds of words that could never be sung, but only screamed in fury. But Lauren spoke them smoothly, in a perfectly controlled tone of voice that never raised or lowered, but continued as though he was speaking to a friend in a quiet sitting room. But in spite of that, Lauren's words cut through the dark of the night, and the deeper, unnatural blackness of the Outdweller and its minions, with apparent ease. His voice echoed around the area, and with each syllable, it seemed the blackness around he and Melanie retreated a bit. He was doing it. Hope slowly grew in Melanie's breast as the ring of blackness moved slowly but steadily away from them, and the circle of light in which she stood grew in time with the blackness's retreat. If that darkness truly consisted of elements from the Outdweller's home plane, and not of the mere absence of light in this world, its retreat could only mean that the Outdweller, mighty as it obviously was, 
could indeed be beaten. The circle expanded a bit more, the darkness retreating at a more rapid pace. Melanie looked around and saw the same thing occurring all around the circle, until she saw the spot directly behind Lauren. There, the darkness, instead of retreating, pulled in on itself. It seemed to broil and swirl, like clouds during a thunderstorm. The circle of light pushed outward again, but there in that one place, the blackness held firm. A bulging pustule of evil that held out against the light's advance. Melanie fell back a half-step, swallowing hard. Hope, which had so suddenly surged within her, faded, turning to fear as that pustule of blackness pulsed, then swelled upward and outward toward her. Then the pustule burst. Whipping tendrils of blackness shot forth, the same things the Outdweller had used against them before, and Melanie had no doubt the beast stood within that swirling blackness. She heard herself crying out, chanting a quick incantation before she even realized she was doing it. Again, fire blazed around her hands, and she sent out twin lances of flame to meet the advancing tendrils. The two forces met, fire against living blackness, and for a second, Melanie thought she might be able to hold them back completely. But the blackness whipped and writhed, impossibly flexible. After the first resistance from her flames, they retreated, but then simply twisted around her spell, moving to her and Lauren's flanks. Then a third and fourth tendril joined the first two. Lauren! Melanie cried out in alarm. But he paid no heed. He was deep into his incantation, his face a mask of concentration. Even if he had heard her through his focus, he could do nothing to help her. Locked into the banishing ritual as he was, he could not stop. To do so would be to invite disaster when the energy he had built up within the incantation sought release in whatever random manner it could. Melanie was on her own. The tendrils, all four of them, squirmed closer. They lowered their speed for a moment, as though testing the area for threats, before proceeding onward. Her flames had taught them caution, at the least. Part of her shouted with glee at that. Seldom had she had the opportunity to face off against another person, or being, who was magical in nature. Back when the opportunities were plentiful, and there had never been that many, she had given as good as she got more often than not. So Melanie knew she was no slouch. But it was one thing to face off against a fellow novice in the art and prevail, or at least break even. It was something else for a being as powerful as the Outdweller, from a plane as evil as the sun was hot, to recoil from her attacks. This was the second time her fire had injured, or at the very least frightened, the beast. But then, as the black tendrils began to pick up speed as they came for her, and Lauren, though part of her scoffed that she did not care in the least if he were taken, except that it would prevent her own revenge, the momentary injury she had apparently given the outdweller at the sister's house, and again out in the grass, mattered very little. Fire was not the right tool to use. It had given the tendrils pause, but only momentarily. She needed something else. Melanie sought through her mind, considering the various spells Timon had taught her, and discarding them one by one as useless in this situation. The tendrils swept closer, and she felt beads of sweat running down her brow, the growing panic within her threatening to break through. There had to be something. She glanced back at Lauren again, but he was still wrapped up in his ritual chanting. How much longer would it take? The first of the tendrils suddenly whipped forward at a speed she had never seen before. In an instant, 
Cold so intense it burned, wrapped around her legs just above the ankle, and a force too strong to resist tugged her toward the pustule of darkness. She fell, her back striking the earth unceremoniously. Caught up in the tendril as her legs were, she could not roll with the fall or do much of anything to reduce its force, and she lost her breath as the wind was knocked out of her. She had to breathe, but the air would not come. For several terrifying seconds, the only thing that registered in Melanie's mind was the lack of air, and she thought perhaps a tendril had wrapped around her body, constricting like a snake. Then, at last, she managed to inhale, and it was like iced water on a sweltering day. She wanted nothing more than to lie and exult in the sheer joy of breathing, where just a moment ago she thought she might never do so again. Then the force about her legs tugged again, and she began to drag across the ground toward the bulging blackness where the outdweller waited. The relief that flooded through her with that first breath fled as quickly as it came, and she had to hold back a whimper of despair. It was so strong. She clawed at the ground, trying to arrest her motion to no avail. If anything, her movement became more rapid. She tried to kick her legs to pull them free of the tendril, but they would not move. The thing was strong, but it was more than that. That burning cold, forgotten in her loss of breath, crept slowly up from where the thing was wrapped around her calves and had now reached her thighs. Where it passed was only numb, like her legs no longer existed. She was certain she could not have moved her legs below the knees, even if the thing had let her go. Fear surged higher, becoming almost panic. She could not give in to it. That way led only to death. Melanie looked back at the tendril and only then realized it was just that. A single tendril. But there had been four. Where were... Lauren. She craned her neck, twisting as best as she could to see him. Had he been taken as well? Then he came into view, and the scene around the Inquisitor stopped her cold. He stood there, looking for all the world as though nothing untoward was happening, as he continued his ritual chant. As far as she could tell, he had not even looked up. The three tendrils of blackness hovered in the air all around him. They quivered with pent-up energy, as though eager to attack, but hesitant, unsure as to what he was doing. Melanie could relate. He was not a fool. Why would he leave himself so wide open? All three tendrils struck at the same time, darting toward the mage at lightning speed. He could not hope to repel them all, not as quickly as they were moving. He did not have to. When the tendrils reached a distance of about three feet from Lauren, they stopped completely. A glowing blue nimbus erupted where each stopped, bright like a campfire in the immediate vicinity of each tendril, but growing quickly less luminous as the glow spread away from it. The light spread around, the three sources reinforcing each other enough to show the outline of a dome completely surrounding Lauren, who still stood, chanting, apparently completely unconcerned about the attack his magic had just prevented. That bastard. He had set a defensive barrier up around himself, but spared not a thought for Melanie, not even to inform her of that fact. And why not? She was just an abomination in his eyes, a beast to be put down. A beast he had to tolerate for the moment, but if she were to fall in battle with the Outdweller, that would solve one of his problems for him, wouldn't it? Radric and Julian could not possibly fault him for her death in these circumstances. She clenched her teeth, burning anger eclipsing her near panic in a heartbeat. No, she would not give him that satisfaction. The tendril about her calves yanked again, and Melanie was shocked to see that she was almost to the barrier of blackness. Less than ten feet now, and that fiery cold now reached up to her hips. It would drag her into the darkness in another few seconds. And once that happened, 
there would be no hope out there, beyond the light. Down at the deepest register of her hearing, so low it came across as a vibration in her body as much as a sound impacting her ears, a rumble sounded. It only lasted for a second, but it twisted upward in pitch at the very end, making it sound almost sardonic. Melanie realized what it was. The outdweller's laughter. And then the tendril pulled at her legs again, and the blackness swelled up to receive her. Well, hey, I hope you like those uh, chapters. Real quick before I go, just wanted to remind you, A, if you haven't subscribed here to the podcast or told your friends about it, please do. Um, please go by michaelkingswood.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there to find out about, all about new releases and other deals as I uh, put them out for special friends. Um, <clears throat> and of course, you can find all the books I've got up at ssnstorytelling.com. You can also find them on Amazon and other places. Better to go to SSN Storytelling. It's uh, the business, con- tightly tightly held business, so I have more control over how things run there and could make good, greater profit. Um, anyway, so go check all that out. I would appreciate any help you get in that sense. And definitely spread the word to all your pals about the great stuff we're doing around here. I will talk to you next time. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. For information on my books, visit michaelkingswood.com or visit my web store at ssnstorytelling.com. My books are all available through all the various e-tailers, but buying direct from me nuts me the most profit. For information on new releases and other special deals in the future, sign up for my newsletter on my website. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyrighted Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music is copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>